Welcome back to the Two Minute Warning Podcast. This edition is a special edition as my co-host, Annie Wallstriker, isn't in her normal spot right next to me, but Annie, say hi. Hi, everybody. I'm in isolation. I have COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we haven't seen each other for all week, but you know, we're getting through it and we're talking about sports business really to get us through it. So let's get right into the- Get vaccinated though, because my (laughs) symptoms are really not bad. Yes, thank God she's doing great. So let's get right into our first story. Annie, as I'm sure you're aware, the New York Post reported that Major League Baseball and Barstool Sports have discussed potentially airing national midweek games on Barstool's platforms. So this is, I think, amazing news and it will really help both MLB and Barstool for a number of reasons. But what are your first impressions? So my first impression was obviously take as many games away from Joe Buck as humanly possible. Like I would much rather hear like Big Cat or like PFT or like El Presidente giving their input on a ridiculous like White Sox Tigers game than I would Joe Buck. Um but that's just because of my opinion on the Fox newscaster. But um, I think, truthfully, I'm a little bit wary because I just don't know what their model is. Is it going to be that it's through their website? Is it through their Twitter? Is it free? Is it, you know, similar to Hulu where you have to pay a subscription? I I really don't understand what they're going to do. I I think that's a really interesting point. And I think that, goes to something that Barstool is going to be working on. What's really fascinating about Barstool as a company is that they're trying to build their presence in live sports right now. And I think they're going to have to have really great infrastructure to do that. I mean, Barstool recently announced that it's going to be the title sponsor and broadcaster for one of the college football bowls, the Arizona Bowl. And this could really be an amazing partnership for Barstool because guess who's really good at building digital infrastructure? The MLB. I mean, they started MLB Advanced Media, and they were one of the first ones to start um, one of their streaming services, MLB TV. And I think they actually sold it to Disney for like a crazy amount of money because their infrastructure is so good. So so that's where I think this could really help Barstool. But I was wondering what you think about attracting younger fans and what that has to do with Barstool's audience. I mean, Barstool's fans are I guess the key demographic for MLB is a little bit younger than Barstool's fans, right? Like I would, I would understand Barstool as a college age or late high school and above. Um, for me, like their content, that's who they're kind of geared towards. Right. Like college like kids, 17, 18, 19 year old boys and above. Yes. So mostly like males. Early men. <laughs> Um, generally mostly men for sure, but I think just younger men. But I think what MLB actually needs to do is infiltrate even younger market, right? Like we saw it with the, with the Super Bowl. They did that whole Nickelodeon ah, that's a great point. thing, right? Remember? And we were watching by my sister and brother-in-law and that's something that their children would have been interested in to see. Although we, we were watching on tape delay, so it was a bit late for their kids, but like that is something I think that MLB needs to consider is not that getting the interest of 18, 17, 19 year olds, or I probably should have said 17, 18, 19 year olds, um, because their interests are pretty much in sports well established at this point. 
right? I think you need to kind of hit elementary school kids. So I don't know that necessarily Barstool is the optimal partnership, but it's definitely a good one. It's it's a step in the right direction, that's for sure. Right. Yeah, I mean, two two points here, just building off of what you were just talking about. I mean, it's so strange because Little League was such a part of my childhood and so many people in my town's childhood. And then by the time you start reaching late, mid, late middle school, for some reason it drops off. And I think that's because there's nobody really to relate to. Like all the basketball players, you buy all their sneakers all the time. You see them all over. We saw them in magazines, newspapers. Now it's all over social media. And for some reason, baseball hasn't really formed that bridge between like the bar mitzvah age and yeah. and the teenage years and then the college years. And then the second point is the gambling is so crucial in this because Barstool opened up their sports book, Barstool Sportsbook, um, last year at some point, and they've been really pushing to compete with some of the bigger companies to make a name for themselves. And MLB, what would really help them is gambling on their games, because guess what? Gambling creates a lot of interest in the actual game, and it could really drive viewership. Yeah. Um, so those are the two points that I'd make. Well, I've seen those incentives for fantasy baseball for you that it's impossible to talk to you any <laughs> night of the week due to any type of ridiculous fantasy implication for Wander Franco <laughs> and a Rays game that I do not care about. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely the, the gambling or the fantasy sports aspect is something that's really important and should be capitalized on. Yes, I agree. Well, that was a really interesting conversation. Let's get into the five-second runoff. One. Less than 24 hours before Governor Andrew Cuomo announced his resignation, the New York Gaming Commission revealed the initial applicants for its mobile sports betting license. All right, a lot going on here, Annie. Basically, what happened is Andrew Cuomo, who was so long opposed to any type of sports gambling in New York, finally, this past April, said, okay, I'm going to allow it, mainly because he realized how much money he was missing out on because people from New York... Or just going to New Jersey, either by literally crossing over the bridge yeah. or shout out to Dan Rich. Shout out to Dan Rich. <laughs> or taking the path and placing their bets and then quickly coming back. So what happened here is obviously Cuomo resigned and there's a new governor in town and her name is Kathy Holchel. First, first female governor. Yes. First female governor. And Annie, do you know who her husband is? Only after reading your newsletter from this morning, which is Wednesday, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday. So, Brad, why don't you tell everyone? Because you're the one who found this little nugget. Yes. After, nugget. after some investigating on Twitter, I found a guy. His name's Daniel Wallach. He's a sports gambling attorney, basically. And he discovered that Kathy Holchel's husband, William Holchel, is a senior vice president and general counsel at Delaware North. And Andy, do you know what Delaware North does? I'm going to say that they're in the business of gambling. Yes, bingo. bingo. <laughs> they are a company that operates gambling establishments in seven states, including New York. So people think that um, new Governor Holchel isn't going to interfere with this legislation, which is going to be great for New York because not only will people be able to bet, but New York can command one-time fees of $25 million plus 50% tax floors from whichever companies they ultimately select to partner with in this gambling partnership. So really interesting stuff going on there. Yeah, I mean, I don't want 
to say that she has a conflict of interest because she's been the lieutenant governor since uh, 2015. So for, you know, six, six and a half years, depending on when she was either elected or nominated, I honestly do not know how state and local government works. So. <laughs> no, nobody does. <laughs> no idea. So um, I think she's selected as a running mate and then, I guess, appointed. I, whatever. That's what Wikipedia tells me. Um, Always trust Wikipedia. Yeah, I mean, they, no one can edit it, so it's fine. Um, they, (laughs) I don't know that she, she would change it because there's a conflict of interest, right? Like I understand that this is great for her husband, but I don't think that's the main force driving why this is great for New York. No. Um, so yeah, great. Good for her husband, happy for them that he's doing well, that she's, you know, going to take over from do you say Governor Cuomo, former Governor Cuomo, Andrew, whatever, from Cuomo? Um, she's also had his ear, right, since 2015. So I don't know. Maybe she was instrumental in pushing the legislation it's along possible. in general. It's possible. Um, this is just great. This is great for New York. You've, you see it in New Jersey. You've seen it in Nevada, obviously, for so long that having the stream of revenue from gambling can really help pump up the economy and it's been decimated by covid um is it necessarily like the greatest thing to have you know your revenue coming from gambling when there's clear issues with addiction that i'm not going to get into because i am no expert probably not but it is an important thing to know that this is really an imperative piece of legislation that I think she will honor um, when she assumes, you know, being governor in about two weeks. Yes. All right, let's get into number two. Number two. Annie, how would you feel if I could have signed an $84 million contract and instead I signed a $5.9 million contract? I'm not going to say I married you for your money because also (laughs) we got married out of college and had none. But, and, but um, I would probably leave you. Yeah. Yes. So that is exactly what happened to Dennis Schroeder. He's a point guard that has been on a couple of teams. But last year, he was on the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh-huh. he, in March, was offered an $84 million contract over, I think, four or five years. Okay. And he did not accept it at the time, thinking that he was going to get at least $100 million. And he's like an average player. I mean, he's solid. He can score the ball. Um, but I mean, I think that's like literally the bottom of the barrel. Like the lowest bar you can have for being an NBA player is you can score the ball. Right. <laughs> I know. So he had no choices because nobody was going to sign him. Nobody offered him a contract. And he ended up signing this week with the Boston Celtics for $5.9 million. So crazy turn of events oh. i can't even imagine how he and his agents are feeling right now but not like the morons yeah not the best look <laughs> um number three video game collectibles are an absolute fire there was a unsealed copy of 1985 super mario's bros that sold for millions of dollars this week and the company that actually helped facilitate the purchase is called rally 
And I did some research on them this week, and they're a really interesting company. What they do is they take rare collectible assets like baseball cards, old video games, and they basically create their own company of that asset and sell shares of it. So I saw, for example, you could buy like a Mickey Mantle, you could buy shares in a Mickey Mantle card for like $50, um, and then it shows a total market cap. Um, are rare collectibles something that you'd be interested in, in, in investing or something that maybe yeah. you'd let me invest in? It's so cute that you have to ask me on a podcast if you can invest <laughs> money in something. I figure put the um, public pressure on. <laughs> I don't care about public pressure. Um, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I understand the market well enough. As I always tell you, why don't you just draft me a proposal and I'll read it and then make a determination about whether or not it actually makes sense. The market's hot right now, but I don't know. Does this is this kind of is this sustainable? I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't think so. So I just then why would you invest your money in something that has no long term? Yeah, it's just it's just people might be bored in the pandemic still, or otherwise interested in vintage cultural things. So I mean, maybe maybe there's some long term value, but. Um, I mean, the investors in the Super Mario Bros are super happy. They made like 900%, but... Oh, sure. The investors, I'm sure, are, are thrilled. But, you know, that 900... If that, that, that is, that's not going to last. No. So they should stay thrilled, but be wary. <laughs> All right. Let's get into number four. We watched virtually together through FaceTime the premiere yeah. of Hard Knocks, which is H- yeah. which which is HBO's annual series covering one covering one NFL team per preseason, um, and it's usually a pretty interesting show. They've had their ups and downs over the last couple of years. This past episode wasn't so great. A couple of highlights were uh, the cake video that I posted in the newsletter, where they threw uh, Dak Prescott a little birthday party and had a cake for him and. One of the offensive linemen was like, why can't I have that cake? I want that cake. Also, I love, sorry, I love the Zeke-Dak friendship. Yes, that was fun. For some reason, I kind of was under the impression that they didn't like each other. Um, and I built that up in my head and like created this entire soap opera surrounding their relationship when I literally know nothing about them, <laughs> have nothing to do with either of them, and have honestly, I don't even know that I've seen so many Cowboys games that I can make a determination based on chemistry on the field. But they were so cute. It was so cute when Steve was trying to wrap presents. Yes, that was that was a that was a highlight. I have to say, I would not be able to wrap presents either. So I totally no, relate to him. Most definitely can. <laughs> All right, let's get into number five. Annie, if being a lawyer doesn't end up working out for you, I think you'd Sorry. make I think you'd make a great ball girl at Dodgers games, and I think you'd mm-hmm. be able to make the tackle that this girl made. <laughs> I saw that. That was amazing. A fan ran onto the field. He had like 20 security officers chasing after him. And finally, the Dodgers ball girl basically slammed him over the little like concrete barricade that marks the end of foul territory. And everyone's been hailing her as a hero. It kind of She is a hero. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me of Curb when he trips on his shoelaces and tackles the oh, 
drunk guy. We just watched that episode. I know, I know. But in this case, she's actually a hero. Although I really always do enjoy when fans run onto the field. It's it's, it's pretty dangerous overall, and like no, it's, it's, it's it's pretty scary, but it, it is hilarious. Yeah, and I think you I think you'd be able to make that same type of tackle. So just want to point said, that like, out. I think I would be, but I also talk a really big game, so <laughs> we'd have to. I don't know. Yes. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in to this very special and unique edition. Uh, thank you to podcast producer Zev Rand for being the best and Mazel Tov on his sister just getting married. And yes. Yes. It was beautiful. <laughs> and thank you to my co-host Annie Waltstriker. We hope to see you next week. Have a great week. Uh,